Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Strong Female Characters, a podcast where every week we assemble like a feminist Voltron to celebrate the badass women in geek culture through unfiltered deep dives into the nerdverse. I'm Cher. And I'm Courtney. And Preeti is now dead with the flu. She has been taken. She has. It was somehow... By the, by the bad things. Yeah, I transmitted it to her via the internet. Which means I'm next, so enjoy the Cher and Preeti show. I'm actually surprised week. considering you have kids that you haven't already had the flu. When I lived in Chicago, I was never sick. And I think it's because they ne- I've never seen anyone clean the L. So I was just constantly, like, just subjected to germs. So basically, that's what kids are, is just, like, the L pole. But you you always get sick from your kids. So I don't know that that... I do. I knew. I know. That's why works. I'm shocked that it hasn't happened this this year thus far. Yeah. But it's coming. Don't you worry. Go get I'll a flu shot, because I've never gotten a flu shot. And I will never not get a flu shot ever again. And apparently now there's, like... The coronavirus, which when someone said that to me, I thought it was a joke at first because, of course, I think Corona and I think beer. Yeah, it's one of those things where people say it, and it's like, ha ha, beer. And it's like 17 people are dead. And it's yeah. like, oh, damn it. Well, I made the mistake while I was sick of deciding to watch Pandemic on Netflix, which is all about how there is an enormous flu pandemic that scientists and doctors are saying is imminent and is going to happen a lot sooner than later. And how, you know, the big flu pandemic of like 1918 that killed hundreds of millions of people will be so much worse because that last one, there were not airplanes and stuff. So things could not spread with the same veracity that they can now. Remember that movie where Gwyneth Paltrow? You're the second person to bring this movie up. I've never seen it. Contagion or something like that? Yes. Yeah. And so like. You know, everyone gets sick and they die and everything. And then at the end, you see how the disease originated and it goes like back through like all of these people that she like ran into. And it's just like one guy didn't wash his hands and stuff. It's like, oh, my God. I thought you were going to say get your flu shot. Wash your goddamn hands. I thought you were going to say it was like Yoni eggs. It was Yoni eggs. They got <laughs> the one like, guy you gotta wash those. That You've manufactured your Yoni eggs is <laughs> how Gwyneth Paltrow <sighs> died from the flu. That is how we're all going to die. It's just like from like Gwyneth Paltrow being like, well, put shit up in your vagina. Yeah. Now we're all going to die. And there's a record for how fast we said vagina on this podcast. You know what? Proud of us. Oh, me too. And with that, <laughs> speaking of that, vaginas you know and like, doctor stuff. Of, of strong <laughs> female energy. This week's episode of Doctor Who was a history making episode featuring for the first time in 57 years a black doctor, and marking the first time two female doctors appeared on screen at the same time. Joe Martin, best known for BBC shows like Holby City, and as Pam, Hot Priest's church assistant on Fleabag, that's right, Fleabag is part of the Hooniverse, don't at me, 
This iteration of the Doctor first appears seemingly human thanks to the chameleon arch used by the 10th Doctor in Human Nature Family of Blood and the Master when he appeared as Dr. Yana. She's perky. Everyone loves her. The barista at her local cafe is so into her, he has a proper dossier on her supposed boyfriend. And then when her doctorness comes back, she gets a fancy military jacket and a frilly pink and orange shirt, and she is fancy, and she has a laser gun, and she has a boss. Where this doctor falls in the timeline as we know it, we don't know yet. Uh, Jodie Whittaker's doctor doesn't remember being Joe Martin doctor, and Joe Martin doctor doesn't remember being Jodie Whittaker doctor, and Joe doctor doesn't recommend the sonic screwdriver. So uh, also Jack Harkness came back, and he's going to return again, and he's going to bang somebody because that's what he does. My jaw dropped twice. I was more open jaw than person. If something else had happened, it would have unhinged like a snake. I loved this episode. Like so much of that was gibberish to me, but go on. That's, if you, <laughs> if like, if people don't watch Doctor Who, they were like, what did she just say? Yeah, I understood Sonic Screwdriver. And then that was about it. Um, but speaking of history making, last week, scientists recreated the voice of a 3000 year old mummy using 3D printing technology. Because if there's one thing that I know to be true about scientists, it is that they are actively trying to summon some kind of ancient evil to come back to the planet and wipe us out with their army of undead. And listen, at this point, I don't fucking blame them. It's not even February yet, and 2020 is basically just 2016 part four. And coincidentally, the fourth installment of Abbott and Costello meet the Universal Monsters was Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. <gasps> you may be asking yourself, why do you know that? To which the answer is Google work wormholes are a plethora of useless info that, if you try really just hard enough, can weirdly be tied together to write entertaining news stories about weird shit like this right here. Anyway, the mummy's voice is all over the interwebs for anyone and everyone to listen to, which, to be totally honest, sounds like a great way to start off some crazy ass mummy movie that reboots the now stalled again Universal Monsters franchise. Also, the voice sounds like the laziest dog squeak toy. And that's really all I have to say about that. Is this what happens when they drank the sarcophagus juice? I don't know. Like they <laughs> drank the sarcophagus juice and then they printed a mummy and now the mummy's going to kill us all. I mean, just something about like using 3D printing to make uh, the dead speak. Like, come on. Seriously, that's like the beginning like, of a horror I want movie. That movie. I would watch that. Give, give me that movie. I wouldn't watch that. I don't like horror movies. I don't care about mummies. I don't either. Until there was until people start trying to make them fucking dead. Like, what's next? You're gonna make them like get up and do a a dance? (laughs) I would actually watch the dancing mummy movie. Um, I think it was uh, Tales from the Dark Side that I saw way too young, where like a mummy comes back and tries to kill everyone the way that mummies are made. So he's like sticking stuff up people's noses and pulling out their brains. It was great, great slumber party movie for an eight year old. Speaking of movies. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the upcoming movie Gretel and Hansel and a little thing we like to call Trope Busters. Pew, pew, pew. We'll be right back. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
On January 31st, the movie Gretel and Hansel will be released. The film is a horror version of the classic fairy tale starring Sophia Lillis from It and Sharp Objects as a 16-year-old Gretel taking care of her 8-year-old Hansel brother as they find a witch in the woods. That witch is Alice Krieg, a.k.a. the damn Borg Queen, and also the star of Stephen King's incestuous vampire movie Sleepwalkers. And she looks creepy af, the whole movie does. It's very much in the style of Oz Perkins' previous film, I Am the Pretty Thing Who Lives in Your House. Fun fact, Oz Perkins is the son of Anthony Perkins. Funner fact, he's the guy in Legally Blonde who introduces himself to Elle as saying he spent the last 18 months deworming orphans in Somalia. I do not remember that in Legally Blonde whatsoever. He's like the nerdy guy in uh, her her legal group. He's also in the movie Secretary, which is one of my favorite movies ever. I've never seen Secretary. Surprisingly hot. I mean, not surprisingly. His dad was hot, but you know. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I don't know where we're going with this, but go on. You know what? We're we're going. We're not going to talk about Gretel and Hansel because we haven't seen it yet. We don't know anything about it. But but Hansel and Gretel. Oh, let's talk about exists. Hansel and Gretel. Yes, like we are going to talk about Hansel and Gretel and cake and cookies and witches killing children with the cake and the cookies. Let's do a little trope busters. But before we do, actually, I started looking mm-hmm. a little bit further back into. Hansel and Gretel, like the history of that story. Not a spoiler alert, but maybe a spoiler alert to anybody. Pretty much all of Grimm's fairy tales are misogynistic as fuck. Mm-hmm. And they all, in addition to being incredibly sexist and like peddling and kind of making these super sexist tropes, there's a lot of violence towards women in all of Grimm's fairy tales. And all of Grimm's fairy tales were not their fairy tales. These are fairy tales existed long before they decided to publish them. And in some of them, most of them, the Brothers Grimm changed parts of the stories to actually make them more misogynistic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember us talking when we talked about the um, the evil stepmother trope and the uh, looking back, the way that the Grimm's fairy tales changed the story was to create this character of like the evil woman because the actual story involved basically like paternal rape. Right. And they were like, well, that's not palatable. But you know what is palatable? Women be bitches. Right. I mean, it's it's terrible, but also mm-hmm. terrible is so in Hansel and Gretel, apparently like. This this is an especially sexist story. The beginning of, in Hansel and Gretel, uh, there's this uh, writer or a researcher. Um, her name's Ruth. I'm going to butcher her last name, and I'm so sorry. Bodingheimer? Bodingheimer? She broke down the speech patterns of fairy tale characters, and the gender divide is almost worse in Hansel and Gretel than it is in most of their other stories. But, for example, in Hansel and Gretel, Hansel speaks more often and for longer than his sister. And the very first thing he free- he says in Hansel and Gretel is quiet Gretel. So <laughs> Gretel's like, already? Yeah. So, and this researcher found that the explicit shushing is a common thread throughout the Grimm's take on folklore. Spells of silence are cast on women more than they are on men. And the characters most valued by male suitors are those who speak infrequently or don't speak at all. They also, so the Brothers Grimm also did certain things in fairy tales like they are the ones that made uh, premarital sex kind of seem very, they are the ones that created this whole notion of it being taboo by Mm -hmm. never speaking of any type of romantic love or anything, which sounds like a small thing. 
But it's not because what it starts doing to kids at that young age is creating this this archetype or this special this stereotype that a woman would not ever touch a man until they're married, right? It's like pushing that mm-hmm. that narrative. And a perfect example of that is with Rapunzel. In Rapunzel, in the original version of Rapunzel, Rapunzel and the prince were like spending all this time together in her tower. And then she makes a remark one day to her nurse, you know, that her clothes are starting to fit tighter, which is because she's pregnant because her and the prince have been fucking. Mm -hmm. And the brothers Grimm changed that and made them like husband and wife before she got pregnant, even though that's not how the original story goes. So men men can roll up on sleeping women and just plant one on them. Oh, well, let's talk about Sleeping Beauty. Heaven forfend. The original Sleeping Beauty is a lot worse than that. In the original Sleeping Mm -hmm. Beauty, what happens is the princess falls into a spell. Her father, being so distraught and thinking she's dead, abandons her in his kingdom, in his castle. And then one day a king happens by and finds her and then basically raped her in her sleep. And then she gave birth to twins And then that's how she woke up was one of the babies was sucking on her finger. So, like, there's so much to unpack there. But she gets raped in the original version of Sleeping Beauty. It's not a kiss. All fairy tales are essentially rape allegories. I feel like they're like cries for help from these original storytellers. And the Grimm's brothers were like, you know what we could do? Make money off of this and also make women giant bitches. Yeah. So they definitely, I mean, this was their thing when people have gone back and looked at the Brothers Grimm version of these fairy tales. One of, again, one of the big uh, recurring themes was the silence of women, the violence towards women, which occurs far more frequently than it does towards men in their stories. And that that the prize, the most valuable thing about women in all of these stories is the, phys- is the physical attraction of the female partner, not anything else about them. And with the Brothers Grimm, so they also don't like portray childbirth at all. And it's like mm-hmm. all the mothers just kind of die. <laughs> they either just yeah. die or they're just horrible. Right. And the irony is that all of these fairy tales were probably originally stories told by women And they were told in a Mm -hmm. different way to kind of like teach their daughters lessons or valuable lessons or warnings. And then they were appropriated by men and they were changed around in ways that were terrible towards women. It's such a classic grim thing, too, where it's like the only purity that exists in women is either when they're children or when they're dead. If you're not dead or a child, you're a villain. You're a monster. Like once you have any kind of autonomy, you can only use it for evil. Right. And that's exactly what happened with all these characters. Like, you know, the a perfect example is Cinderella's stepsisters who were evil because they had a voice and they spoke. No wonder Eric liked Ariel so much when she was voiceless. Exactly. He's like, this, this silent bitch is great. Yeah. Love her. She's not sassy at all. I don't know. I think it's interesting to see. I mean, again, like I'm not a fan of horror movies, so I'm not going to watch Gretel and Hansel, but I think it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how a story like that is gonna be like reappropriated because 
Hansel and Gretel being used in a horror context is not new because that actually Wes Craven mm-hmm. did that in The New Nightmare. He yeah. borrowed from it, you know. And mm-hmm. again, this story of Hansel and Gretel is not, it's not even the Brothers Grimm story. Like there are, are so many versions of it. Giambattista Basil, he obviously did a bunch of these as well. And that's like Cinderella and Rapunzel. Those versions existed before the Grimm's version. And then obviously there's the Russian tale Baba Yaga, which is which is Hansel and Gretel. So essentially in this story, we have the brother and the sister. The brother is the one in charge. Uh, in this new movie, uh, it, it centers Gretel. Uh, Gretel is kind of it, she appears to be like a a formidable either opponent or a potential ally for the witch. Gretel has some kind of magic in her that the witch um, is trying to kind of like draw out of her. Um, also, she wants to eat that brother. She wants to eat that juicy child. Uh, so in this original story, these children come upon this this house of a witch in the forest. Her house is just full of like sweets and treats, things kids want. And she is trying to fatten them up to eat them because spinster that's you know yes women right because if you don't have children that means that you are destined to live out in the woods in solitude and you are a miserable angry child hating witch that not only doesn't want children but your bitterness from your empty womb causes you to eat children yes because again at the at the time of obviously it's like well, that's where children live is in your stomach. So if you eat the children, you, you're, you're jealous of what you can't have. So if you eat the children, they go to your womb. That's the same thing. I get science. And also a part of the story that uh, kind of gets, you know, ignored when we talk about it is that it's it starts with Hansel and Gretel's parents. Like, well, rather parent, the mother abandons them. She's the monster. The dad didn't want to do it. The mom made him. Well, actually, so there's different versions. There's a version where the mother first dies and then he remarries and his new wife obviously hates the kids because they're her kids. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that's what happens when a woman marries a guy with children that another woman had. Those kids suck because they belong to another woman because women hate other women. Oh, yeah. They hate other women more than they hate kids. <laughs> We're either fighting or eating children. Yes. Or shopping. Yes. Women. But yeah. Cake is good. Cake is good. Women are bad. Cake is good. That's the story of Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. Cake is good, though. Cake is really good. Like, I'm not going to eat children. I just want to eat the cake. That's my presidential slogan. I kind of want cake now. I'm not going to lie. I know. I mean, I wish there was a way to find the original versions of these stories, you know, because storytelling Mm -hmm. was such an important part of earlier civilizations. Mm -hmm. And there's, uh, you know, this book Sapiens where it talks about the ability to tell story is one of the biggest driving things that has, that's the reason why humans have evolved beyond other species of animals, because we are not only capable of telling stories, but, it helps. It's a form of communication that that doesn't exist between other am- animals. Like they can't explain, you know, if there's trouble, they can't explain where the threat is, the, the detail that human beings are. And they also can't tell a story the, the way a human being can, where like we have the ability to create a thing and then get other people to believe in the thing. 
Like that's basically what a government is or what, you know, a religion is. It's that someone came up with this idea and the story and got enough other people to believe in and buy into that story that that's why human beings are able to exist with so many numbers at once, whereas other animals can't. Like other animals can't have as big a packs as humans can. And that's all like driven or it's all because of our ability to tell story. So it's just interesting to me that like these stories existed, which they did because all these stories like Cinderella, Hansel and Gretel, Rapunzel, there are versions of these that have existed all throughout early ancient Europe, throughout Asia. And like, how did that happen? Because this was at a time when people couldn't travel as freely as they can now. So is it all parallel thinking or like, how did these stories get spread? You know, and what were the original versions of those stories? One of the things I love most about uh, writing and storytelling to me, it's more than um, like our job and, and a passion. Like to me, like, you know, it very much is kind of my idea of religion because I don't know that I believe in any kind of afterlife. I believe that in the end we become stories for other people. We are what people remember us, call it a legacy, call it whatever you want, but we become stories. And that is why it's, it continues to be so disheartening that so much of those stories, women's stories, uh, all the stories throughout time are shaped by men. Right. You know, in, you know, in March, we're going to get, we're going to get back into forgotten women of genre. And that really is a big ongoing theme in all of those stories. And basically every story that gets told, be it a movie, be it a fairy tale, it's through the, the lens of man. And that shapes it in such a, a, a different and to our our deficit way. So here's something that's really interesting too. So the Grimm brothers apparently first heard the German version version of Hansel and Gretel from Henriette Dorothea Wilde, who was better known in history as Dorchen Wilde. And some sources claim that her father may have been abusive towards children and also didn't like the fact that she was friends with the Grimm's sister, Lottie Grimm, which might explain why some of the fairy tales that were told in the household focused on parental abuse. Mm -hmm. Or that they just like to tell stories about families that were evil in contrast to the ones that like the lives that they had. Dorchen actually ended up marrying the younger Grimm brother, Wilhelm. So it's like even these stories, like, they got those stories from one of their future wives, you know, and it's like, she's not credited with these stories. No, no. He took it and made a woman the villain. Congratulations. But you know what? Let's take a break and then we're going to come back and we are going to play some reboot, remake ruin. Cause we found some really weird retellings of fairy tales that really existed a little more recently in the future or in the past. I don't know. We'll be back. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for Reboot, Remake, Ruin, a fun little game where we decide if a property should be rebooted, remade, or ruined, meaning like don't touch it or doing one of the former would therefore ruin it. So a reboot, just so we're all on the same page, means bringing back said property with the original character still and storyline basically continuing in some version. Uh, a remake means doing the entire thing from scratch with new actors, maybe changing the storylines and characters a little bit. And then ruin is like, don't touch it. This is trash anyway. Any version of ruin you want it to be. Um, and we are going to focus this week's reboot remake ruin on what else but fairy tales. Because if there's one thing that there are weirdly a lot of, it's TV shows that are re makes or versions of classic fairy tales. And some of them are really fucking weird. So Heather is going to not be silent for once. <laughs> and she's going to read off the descriptions of some of the weirder shows that existed. Shockingly, not all of these were part of the CW because they kind of all sound like they would be. And uh, me and Cora are to decide if they should be rebooted, remade, or just ruined. Take it away, Heather. What's first? Okay, um, the first thing is Merlin, which there's, you know, the, the Merlin BBC show, but this is, this is a different Merlin. This Merlin is a 1998 television miniseries, which originally aired on NBC, and it retells the legend of King Arthur from the perspective of the wizard Merlin. Um, Sam Neill stars in the title role, and the story covers not only the rise and fall of Camelot, but also phase in the legendary history of Britain that precedes it. It deviates uh, more from the traditional virgin versions of the legend, notably by including new characters such as Queen Mab and by keeping Merlin through the whole reign of King Arthur over Britain, whereas in older versions, Merlin left earlier on in the King's reign. Um, I'm going to say this should be remade. So did you see it when it was on? I've never I, I have like these weird fever dream memories that, of like Merlin stuff. There was a lot of like... Arthur Merlin stuff from like the 90s to like the early 2000s. There was just, it feels like there was a lot. So I taped this and watched it all the time. <laughs> so I would say bring it back original cast because this cast is off the chain. This was like a wild time of TV movies too, because like we had this and then I think after this, they did the um, NBC did the Ted Dance and Gulliver's Travels. Oh my God. It was a wild time for NBC original movies and I am so happy for it. But this cast was great. So it had Sam Neill, mm -hmm. Miranda Richardson, Isabella Rossellini. Wow. Helena Bonham Carter. Wow. It, Lena, Lena Hetty is in this. As Guinevere, little tiny baby Lena had. Here's what I say. I say they should remake this, but do it as a live action musical, a la the live action musicals that NBC has been doing. That's what they should do. Bring back Sam Neill and everybody. 
I don't even care if they're capable of singing. No, just give it to me. Or dancing. I mean, John Legend did The Wiz and no, he did Jesus Christ Superstar. He mm-hmm. can't dance. <laughs> the only remake of this that I would uh, be super into would be uh, Isabella Rossellini doing it as like a cardboard cutout thing like she did with her like animal sex show. Wait, what? That she used to have. Okay. <laughs> Isabella Rossellini used to do a show about like animal like like relationships and sex in the animal kingdom. And it involved like animations and cardboard cutouts. And she wore weird costumes where she dressed up like sperm. It was perfect and incredible. And everyone should watch it. I want that Merlin. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I want the musical version of it, but you know, considering that she was married to David Lynch at one point in her life, I'm not surprised that she did a show like that. Cause I love her. Doesn't he have some weird special on Netflix now where he's like interrogating a puppet? That tracks. Yeah. All right. I feel like that's just his life. Yeah. I feel like that's just what like life is like at the Lynch house. Heather, what's next? Okay, next is Wizards and Warriors, which is a CBS television series from 1983. It starred Jeff Conaway. And um, in two neighboring kingdoms, the respective princes come into repeated conflict. The good prince, Eric Greystone, who is engaged to Princess Ariel, fights the evil prince, Dirk Blackpool. Both princes... Dirk Blackpool! <laughs> that's... Yo, these names are such eighties names. Good. Both princes and wizards. He's a prince. They both use wizards and witches, both good and evil, in their conflicts with each other. I need to know why Blackpool is fighting with Eric Greystone. I I also need to know who came up with that name because it legit. I mean, it sounds like a porn. I don't know who looked at Jeff Conaway, Taxi and Grease's Jeff Conaway, and said. He should play like a prince. Yeah. Presumably Dirk Blackpool? No, he was no, I think he was uh the good guy. He was he was Prince Eric Greystone. It's wild. And his sidekick's name was Marco. Polo. <laughs> I want to know more about this. Also, I think it's very And the princess had any- a pet unicorn named Pumpkin. And she apparently was very spoiled. Of course, she was a girl in the eighties. There was an aging wizard named Tranquil. Was this Based on no, because the video game came later. There's a video Wild. game. It's not the There's same a video thing. Video game though. called Wizards and Warriors for NAS. It's not the same thing though. I mean, I don't, I don't know this. Oh God, I don't know this, this is life. Amazing. This is wild. Julia Duffy. What was she? She was in stuff. She was in Newhart. Everything about this is so random. This is the eightiesest thing. It's I've ever so eighties. The only way to be more eighties is if like the prince was played by somebody that like was clearly like. 55 years old but they're trying to pretend he was like 23 is this the what yeah i don't think this should be touched i think this should be i'm looking at the images the stills from this it lasted eight episodes listen i'm not gonna lie dirk blackpool is working some amazing hair he's got on like a studded black outfit with this big leather 80s collar and massive shoulder pads and then jeff conway's character wears like a gold lame he looks like he's from ancient like a play that's like supposed to be about ancient greece they're like they don't even look like they're in the same production of anything these two although jeff conway's hair looks like the 80s ken doll that like had hair from the warriors and the rockers yeah Yeah. there's also some strong prince valium energy coming off of jeff conway oh yeah 100 percent. yeah this is something that first of all everyone should google 
Because I just feel like that it should be experienced by everybody. I'm sorry that you're just listening to us Google things. But if you Google it yourself, you'll understand. Yeah. He has the same hair as the girl on the show. But I don't think I think this should be ruined. I think there's a reason it only lasted one season and with no context other than the images that I just found on Google search. I think I understand that that reason. Leave it in its perfect time capsule of feathered, feathered hair. All right. What's next? Okay, next is The Charmings, which is an American fantasy sitcom from 1987. In the show, the fairy tale characters Snow White and Prince Charming were magically transported to a 20th century suburb in Burbank, California. Each episode shows them trying to adapt to their new life while Lily and the Wicked Stepmother and her wisecracking magic mirror watch from upstairs. This could delightfully be remade. This, I feel like this should be remade. I feel like this could work. It could. I think if it's done right, I think this could definitely work and be funny. Yeah, I, I'm like I, into this. Also, Eric Charming was played by um, Reba's ex-husband in Reba. Oh my God. And like that makes like kind of a lot of sense to me. That's Bring it back and put Barbara Jean on the Charmings. Oh my God. I would watch it if Reba... Was like a step, a, a stepmother. That's now it's the cast of Reba, but it's but the as Charmings. the Charmings, yes. <laughs> Into this it. This is this is excellent. I love the idea of there just being like an upstairs wicked stepmother, yeah. just like dunking on everyone. Yeah, I mean, I want this remade. Mm-hmm. Same hard. Give the people what they want, and what we want is suburban Snow White. Yeah. All right. What's next? Okay, so the last one is Beauty and the Beast. Uh, which is an American sci-fi police procedural combo, which is nice, um, from 2012. And it was apparently loosely inspired by a show of the same name in 1987. Well, did you say a show of the same name? How do you not know about the Beauty and the Beast with Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton? And he lives in the sewer. Post-Terminator. This was the thing that she decided to make. And this shit was on for like a while. Wasn't this on for like a few years? Yes. And I had so many nightmares about Vincent Ron Perlman. Because he was just a cat. He he looked like Jocelyn Wildenstein. 100%. 100% looks like her. Yeah. Dude, this was on for three years. And she was an ADA. This is amazing. I completely forgot like, oh my God, you guys wait. The best part. Guess who one of the writers was on this show? Please tell who. George R.R. Martin. Hell yes. This is the Game of Thrones sequel that I want. Okay. This is what Bring I want. Bring that shit back. Make George R.R. Martin the showrunner. Yes. Make everyone wait longer for the next Game of Thrones book. It's what they deserve. Give Do me this. my Linda Hamilton, Ron Perlman reboot. This is amazing. All right. So what was the 2017 version of this? Oh, so the 2012 version. Catherine Chandler witnessed her mother's murder and was almost killed herself until someone or something saved her. After nine years, now working as a detective for the NYPD, a case leads her to Vincent Keller, an ex-soldier believed to have been killed in action during military service who is actually alive. As Catherine comes to know him, she finds out more about her mother's murder and about who and what Vincent really is. Dun, dun, dun. What is he? Is he a beast? Like, does he not look like the beast? He must look like a normal person. I didn't watch the show. <laughs> this was this was on for four years, by the way. I didn't even know this thing existed. And it was on for four years. 
It was on the CW because of course it was. That's how it lasted four years. I'm surprised it didn't last 12 years. It won a lot of People's Choice Awards. I don't see any beasting of this gentleman. I'm only seeing Ron Perlman and then I'm seeing Hold generic. On. I need to know something. Generic CW Beast Boy. I think he's like more of a beast like emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a conceptual I, beast. I'm very confused by this. But also I'm confused as to how this won awards for best sci-fi show over like Orphan Black. If people's choice and they don't count. Warehouse 13, The X-Files, Doctor Who. There were so many people are like, I love this Beauty and the Beast minus Beast. <laughs> I don't understand how this won awards. Was this was when Kristen Kirk was in Nexium? <laughs> Is that how she did the show? Dude, like Game of Thrones literally existed at the same time as this. And this was winning awards and nominated for awards, maybe alongside of it. I don't know. All I know is I think we're going to have to make somebody watch this. Season one has a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, sounds oh, delicious. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to put a little picture of uh, Ron Perlman in our doc so that we can all just admire him. I think that this should be rebooted with Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton. Yeah. Ruin, <laughs> ruin the CW one. Ruin that one. Bring Reboot. back this one yes. with Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman because they're both doing great. They look amazing. Right. They could reprise these roles excellently. Go back to the sewer. Yeah. Like I want to know. And give the people what they want. I want to know what like their their life is like now all these these years later. Yeah. Did they have kids? I like. Can they have kids? Those? What's what's that's like what, the that's reproduction what science behind beasts and human? I mean, this show blatantly promoted bestiality. Yeah, but I mean, look at him. Look at that hair. He had magnificent hair magnificent hair. They had the same hair as Linda Hamilton. What we're learning is that in, in fairy tale shows, the men have the same hair as the women. Yes. And everyone looks incredible. Um, well, let's go from that, from this to uh, a couple segments we haven't done in a minute, our useless male and our Shira of the week. Men were finding a way to not be useless for a few minutes, but don't worry. They're back. They'll always be back. Every now and then we like to take a moment to dishonor the men doing the most to be the absolute least in a little segment we like to call Useless Male of the Week. Happy 90th birthday, Nancy Drew. We got you a cake. Luckily, you can put it next to yourself in the damn fridge for her 90th birthday. They killed her. Writer Anthony Del Cole and artist Joe Eisma announced the new Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys installment, The Death of Nancy Drew. Luckily, the Hardy Boys will save the day. Thanks, men. Del Cole was quick to say, hey, 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 chill, Pickles, chill in the fridge with Nancy. Actually, he insists there is no such fridging happening here, saying Nancy is in the series. I will not say whether it's through flashbacks or whether she's still alive. I think one of the things that was lost in the press release and in this coverage is that it's noir. So we play a lot of the noir tropes. And much like the original series, where it boils down to the interaction between the three of them and they solve crime, there will be a lot of interaction between the three main characters. Call me a pie-eyed optimist, but I'd personally prefer if we didn't kill or pretend to kill female characters to advance male storylines in order to rescue her. It's just tired. Also, on her birthday? Yeah. Even Buffy Summers had better birthdays. Anyway, our Shiro of the Week goes to none other than cultural icon Nancy Drew. Yeah, that's fucking right. You may kill her on her 90th birthday. And to that, we say, how dare? Because... 
I don't seem to remember the Hardy Boys being cited as a formative influence by number number of important men, whereas Nancy Drew has influenced women like Supreme Court Justices Sandra Day O'Connor and Sonia Sotomayor and former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton. So she is our Shiro of the week. And you know what? Everyone should have some cake in her honor. Long live Nancy. And cake. And cake. <laughs> but not men. No. Just the cake and this Nancy. Is, this is the most banner SFC episode where it's like, cake, Nancy Drew, down with men. Yes. <laughs> All right, then. Heather, what's our reviewer of the week? Now it's time for our favorite segment where we shout out one listener and reviewer for their awesome feedback and comments about the podcast. Without you, we would just be talking to ourselves about cake. So thank you. Um, <laughs> this week, okay. this week we want to shout out Jarf Hardin, who had this to say on iTunes. Excellent. Five stars. Love five stars. Such a great pod. Fun hosts highlighting important topics. Highly recommended. Short and sweet to the point. Short and sweet. I'm into it. Starf. Thanks, yo. If you're a guy, we're sorry. We don't mean you when we say we hate men. Literally not all men. No, not all men. Not all men. Men that give us five stars on iTunes. Yeah. The ones that don't listen to the show are the men. The ones that bring us cake, we're also cool with. Yeah. (laughs) I like lemon. You like lemon cake? I love lemon cake. Who likes lemon cake? Me, Courtney Lynn Enlow, lemon cake lover. Oh my God. And with that, thanks for listening. And as always, leave us some love on iTunes. It helps support and promote the show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sci Fi Fangirls Pod. I'm the Shareness on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Court Enlow on Twitter and Courtney Enlow on Instagram. And lemon cake is great. And until next time, speak geek like a girl. Speak geek like a girl.